Hello everyone and welcome to Sharing the Journey Episode 2, the first episode that is of an actual interview. Last week I sat down with the pastor of my church, which is First Christian in Port Orchard, to talk about his life and faith journey and having a son who is on the autism spectrum. So I didn't bring my questions with me in Braille and as soon as I got home I started thinking of all the questions I could have asked or how I could have phrased things differently but I think this went pretty well for a first attempt. Uh, I would love your feedback though. Feel free to email me uh, mlturtle1976 at gmail.com. I hope that this interview is a blessing in your life in some way. To start with, why don't you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your family currently? Currently? Okay. Well, my name is Joel Morse. I am 57 years old, or young as they like to say. Um, I am married. I've been married for 37 years. Um, I have three kids, two adult daughters who are both married with grandchildren and I have a 18 year old son. He's a senior in high school. I was born and raised um, in uh, the Midwest in Iowa, uh, mostly on a farm and uh, after that my wife and I spent uh, quite a few years living in Wyoming and South Dakota and then 15 years ago we moved here to Port Orchard, Washington where I've been um, serving as a pastor here at First Christian Church. So now that we know a little bit about your current family, tell me a little bit about um, your, like, you already said you grew up on a farm, Mm -hmm. uh, but tell me a little bit about your family and your early early influences to your faith. To my early, okay. Well, um, you know, I grew up, so I was born in 63, put it all in perspective. Um, so growing up in rural Iowa on a farm, um, it's, uh, mostly all my relatives were within about a 20 mile radius. So we grew up in a very close knit community, uh, grandparents just being really close cousins and so forth. And being on the farm at that time, you didn't do a lot of things except for what was in that community. Uh, school was close by. Um, our church was nearby and so um, you experienced a lot of close uh, connection uh, whether they would be a neighbor just down the road um, uh, family and so forth and so it, it, I, I would say it was a very unique situation and one that you just don't experience I think as much as you used to um, of course there wasn't the, the things we have today I mean, I can remember growing up, we had, uh, we, uh, there was only three TV stations and you had black and white TV and rabbit ears. So we, we found our own things to do that kept us busy. Um, when we weren't working on the farm or going to school, we were typically doing something associated with the church. And, and back then, um, you know, church would start on Sundays, you know, you'd go to much like today, Sunday school and then uh, to worship service. And then a lot of times there was things happening in the afternoon. Um, Typically we would do uh, a Wednesday night uh, service. And so that was my life growing up. I I grew up in a a small 
church. It was what you can, if you look at those old pictures, the white steeple church, one kind of a one room plus a few little classrooms. And um, it was a church that my parents went to when they were teenagers and my grandparents went to. So we, wow. had, we had lots of family members that went to the same church. And so uh, a lot of our aspect was, was, it was centered around what we were doing. Uh, their youth group and so forth. So, um, you know, I, I had that great background. Um, and um, so, but it did change. It actually changed um, when I, I'll keep talking, I guess, but when I was um, 14, um, my dad, uh, farming wasn't, you couldn't hardly make it as a sole occupation. So my dad actually worked in a bigger city that was about 15 miles away, which is Cedar Rapids. And so um, he, in his employment, he was offered a new position and a transfer. So he took that. And so when I was 14, my dad sold the farm and we moved to a, a city of about 40,000 people. So that, that changed my life. We, yeah. we, we, we left the church that I grew up in and we went through an experience that, you know, many people do, you know, you go to a new community and you think you're going to find a church home. And my folks had struggled with that. They, uh, they, they went to, I grew up free Methodist. And so they went to the free Methodist church in this, this new city we were living in and they just didn't feel, you know, at home. And, and that's hard when you've been in the same church for like 40 years. And then to go find a new one and you want to have the same experience, that's very hard to find. Yeah. Uh, and so they checked out a few others and then kind of went on a stint where they really didn't attend anywhere. And so that was hard on me. I was right at that age now, I was about 15, where I needed to, you know, to be in a youth group. I needed to have um, that um, steadfast uh, teaching in my life. and and it wasn't there. I was receiving it from my parents somewhat, but mm. um, yeah, so that, that really changed me. In fact, it, it changed me for about 10 years. Yeah. So I grew up in, in, a, in, a, in a Christian family. Um, you know, I can remember singing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know, and all those things in, in, <laughs> in, 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 in youth group and all those, you know, early in my life. But the church I attended, I don't ever recall them talking about a personal relationship with Jesus. And so, you know, after my folks left the church and moved to a different city, I basically went for another 10 years knowing who Jesus was, but ne never really truly walking with him or having a personal relationship with him. So it wasn't until I was 26 when my wife and I now being married that I started uh, really being moved by the Holy Spirit, realizing that there was something more that I needed more in my life. And that more I came to an understanding was having a personal relationship with Jesus. And so it was at the age of 27 when I fully understood that. And after being mentored, I, um, I, uh, was baptized. I was back. I, I received Christ in my life. I asked him to be my Lord and savior and I was baptized. And so, yeah, much later in my life, 27 years old. Hmm. So who would you say influences you now in your faith? Oh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting because most people would and, and do look at 
you know, people that have been their mentors and I've had many, 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 um, but some of them are within my own family. Uh, um, I would say all three of my brothers helped me with my faith. Mm -hmm. Two are actually pastors, uh, mm -hmm. although now they're getting both to towards retirement, but in, in their unique ways, they've both have, um, encouraged me in my walk. Um, especially my, my one brother, Doug, I've watched him go from, um, from being enticed by, by sin and being, and really having a life that was not anywhere near what God would want for him to seeing a life change in him and seeing what God can do. Um, and so he was a real inspiration to me and just our conversations we've had. But, you know, one of the things I, I, I really, what encouraged me most is just my church family. Um, I, I love watching and, and listening to the experiences of just everyday life, like here within the church. You know, people share with me, you know, conversations they had or struggles they're going through, but what God has done, uh, seeing answered prayer. And there's nothing like doing life together. That's why, you know, uh, Paul talks about never give up the habit of meeting together because that's what we need. That I, I think that's what I am encouraged about. Of course, you know, there, there's great authors out there. There's great pastors on TV and, and things like that. And I every now and then I pick them up. But between family experience, uh, some mentors in my life, the pastors and first or at First Christian Church in Rapid City that really mentored me um, in my when I was uh, um, studying uh, for to, for pastoral ministry. The church family here. I mean, this is the. There's been countless, countless people through my life. So how did you decide to go to become a pastor? Oh, it's a good question. So um, my wife and I and three kids were, or two kids at the time, we were living in Rapid City, South Dakota. We had just moved there from Iowa. Uh, I was a retail manager and district manager for a Western War store. And uh, my faith was growing. I was reading. Um, but anyway, we had just moved to Rapid City and we started attending uh, a church there. It was the first Christian church of Rapid City, a sister church like here. And uh, they had three, they had a senior pastor, an associate pastor, and, a, and a, a youth minister. And all three of them became very good friends of mine. And just talking with them, and specifically one, his name was Lee just really encouraged me to keep stretching my faith, to keep growing. And Lee was one of those guys, he kept saying to me, he was like, what do you want to do now? You're growing, you're growing, growing. And they just kind of put us into everything. We were teaching Sunday school, teaching youth, helping the youth, uh, junior high, uh, high school age kids. We were doing um, Bible studies and things. And and Lee just kept saying, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do for the Lord? And um, and I finally said to him, you know, I said, I think that maybe God wants me to to be a minister. I said, you know, I, I'm not sure. So I started praying about it. He and I started praying about it. And so he encouraged me to, you know, take some classes. Um, uh, and um, so I was working full time. And that's kind of when online education was just still, um, you know, the Internet was just starting to be developed. And there was online schooling for some of the first time. So I started investigating it that way. And when I started taking classes, it was just like, 
the the fire that God had created in me just turned into a flame. <laughs> and it was just like, I was just so excited. I'd literally work all day, 10, 12 hour day and come home, uh, put my kids to bed and start about 10 o'clock and I'd start studying and reading and I would do it to two and three in the morning. And uh, I would get, you know, go to bed, catch a couple hours of sleep and just be so excited, get up and go to work. And I did this for, for two years and I was just so excited about it and uh, I just never I never felt tired and it was just I know the Lord saying go 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 so mm. it was a pretty unique time wow. yeah 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 so um, let's move into the disability part of things your son is on the autism spectrum yes yep um, tell me um, like how, how how did that diagnosis come about what oh okay well, you know, the, um, so I think like most parents, I mean, we came along where we had two girls and there was about 10 years apart and we decided that we wanted to have another child. And so that was kind of a late stage for my wife. We were 38 at the time. So I don't know if that had an influence on it or not. I, you know, you don't know what exactly causes autism um, of course there's different thoughts out there whether yeah. it's uh, inoculations or age or whatever but anyway we had a, a beautiful son and within probably by the time he was nine months old we started just recognizing just different patterns in him um, and so by the time he was literally probably a year and a half we recognized that yeah, he had. He was. He um, was special um, in his um, reactions. So we didn't know at that time if it was ADHD or what it was. And so um, we we decided that we wanted to, to uh, help him the best we could. And so we started talking to different people. And at that time in Rapid City, they actually for three year olds they actually had um, a, a, a preschool. Uh, through the school district and so he started taking classes and with their help they were able to recognize that yeah he, he had some special needs and uh, but then we moved and we moved out here and we um, put him in a preschool out here and they said yeah you need to probably have him diagnosed to find out exactly what it is so that would help us to receive resources or be right. able to help them and uh, so we went over to Seattle Children's Hospital and they sent us to a specialist and they did a testing on him and they said, yeah, he's on, he's on the spectrum, uh, somewhere between um, autism, closer to autism. So we were able to identify that. But at that time, uh, most of the resources for help were in Seattle. Yeah. And we just said, well, okay, that's not really going to work too well. You know, it's a long drive. I mean, we were wanting to do that. The thing that we we did not do is they immediately wanted to throw medication. You know, it's like, oh, take you know, let's let's try a different series of pills. Let's find find out which medicine you know will help him. Kind of give him the ability to be a little bit more structured, slow his pace down. Uh, you know what was going on. Um, and we just decided from the very get-go that we weren't going to do that um, we were going to trust in the Lord and we were going to try to help him support him teach him 
Um, and yeah, there were struggles over the years, but you know, as he has matured, um, he has grown. Um, he he's become a lot more responsible for his actions. Um, he's aware of his uniqueness, um, and we've been able to do that without medication. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what we what's happened over the years. So, what was his educational experience like? Was he uh, in an inclusion environment, or mm. he he has always been. He so he's he's on the what they would consider a higher functioning. Mm -hmm. uh, he had an IEP almost from day one, which is that indiv individual education plan. Right. Um, so he throughout elementary and junior high, he was always getting extra help for social skills. Mm -hmm. he, that was one of the things. He always has had a hard time with his peers. Uh, he, he, he has always had a better relationship with older people uh, and even younger, but with his peers, it's always been a struggle. Uh, he's had speech therapy, uh, occupational therapy, things like that. Uh, so he has received outside resources um, but he's always been in the gen general education classes. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately, his, his whole experience is, is being in a class, but then getting pulled out, mm -hmm. getting put back in the class, getting pulled out, which I am sure has been hard on him, but he's gone through it like a trooper. Uh, he's done really well. Um, but as he's progressed, those resources have been taken away. So now that he's in high school, not this year, he's going to be senior. Really, the only resource he's getting now is help with math. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I mean, all the social resource, all those things have, have gone away. Although we're looking after graduation of him possibly doing some, uh, um, doing like super senior mm -hmm. classes where, you know, he's already graduated, but there's some more social social things he'll he'll um, go to school for. So, okay. Yeah. So stay till he's like 21, you think? Or? Well, I don't know. You know, that's really up to him. You know, when I look back at it, he's, he's going to turn 18 next week and he's been in school since he's three. So he's, he's already had a lot of years of schooling. Yeah. And so, you know... And That's yet, why I didn't finish college. I'm like, I'm done. Yeah, you know, and I keep thinking he's going to tell me that someday, but he doesn't seem to mind it. Um, but it's really up to him. He wants to go to uh, Votech school. He's really into computers. Um, so we'll see where that goes. Um, you know, um, I think he'll do that one year, and then I think the next year will be followed with Votech school. So mm -hmm. whether... He continues to try to do both. Uh, we'll we'll just see. We're you know that's one thing. We're not going to write it all out and figure that we have this plan. We're just we're just kind of working with him and and, yeah. see, and see where he wants to go. So how did this in the autism? How did that impact your faith? Hmm. Did you struggle hmm. or was it? You know what? Not at all. Uh, the one thing I've learned over the years is that God creates every one of us and uh, why God creates some more special than others. This look, Ishali, I got, you are special. I think for, for all of us that just go through life, uh, maybe we're not as special, but I, I seriously, I think uh, one thing I look at my son and with his autism, he has such a love for people. You know what? He doesn't care about social media. He doesn't care about what people think. He just goes through life with like this big smile on his face and just without the prejudices. He just doesn't even think about those things. And I think what a blessing. 
you know, I mean, more of the rest of us, we think about, you know, like the major topics of the day, like racism and, and this COVID thing. And he's just, he just isn't worried about it. He doesn't even think about those things. And I was thinking, wow, that's, that's really, That'd be nice. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, and, um, I think that's pretty, pretty unique. And I think that's why God, you know, he looks down for whatever reason, he gives each one of us special gifts and creates us in special ways. And, um, you know, if anything, um, one thing I've noticed in our in our church family, uh, when we first got here, I think uh, 15 years ago, Daniel might have been the only special needs kids we had. And then all of a sudden we had two and then a third one and then a fourth one. And, and then as we stand right now, I mean, and over the years, we've had probably half of our of our kids be on a spectrum of ADHD, uh, fetal alcoholism, you, you name it. And I, you, you wonder if God didn't bring Daniel in my life to help me prepare for that. Mm-hmm. Or if there's just so many more kids out there experiencing these things. I'm not sure which one it is, but anyway, um, I just see how God, God creates us, you know, and makes us all special. And for those who wonder, we don't have a specific special needs ministry uh-huh. here. It's just, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think, you know, that's the thing is most churches would say, well, we have this group of kids or we have these few kids over here. And so we're going to, you know, like maybe like the school would do, we're going to treat them a little different. We're going to have something special just for them where we have so many. It's like, no. It, we're all inclusive. We're, we're not singling anyone out. It's just we're here together. We're you know, and so that's what we do. What would you say to um to other churches, to other church pastors or staff? I don't know that anyone's actually listening, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, about working with the special needs population. I mean. Um, <sighs> Oh, yeah. No, I hear it. I would say embrace it. Enjoy it. Um, realize that there's that everyone needs love. I mean, we you know, right now there's this whole thing about BLM and I keep saying all lives matter. Well, it's true. God created all life. So in God's eyes, all lives matter. And then so as a church, all lives matter. That's just the way it is. Um, everyone is precious. And so we need to embrace everyone. You know, and I don't, whether they're an infant to a senior, uh, whether they're special needs or, you know, and I hate to say that anyone's just ordinary adult. I think we're all special. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, we're just, we're just who we are. So I would say embrace it and, uh, learn from it. Um, yeah. What would you say to parents who were looking for a church, um, not necessarily local parents, but just parents in general. What what do you think is appropriate for them to expect? Or I'm I'm not quite sure I'm wording this no, right. But. <laughs> well, I think it's a challenge um, because not everyone is equipped. Uh, my wife, for example, has taught me a lot over the years. She is a paraeducation. She worked uh, educator. She has been working with special needs ki- kids for over what twelve years now in the school district. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, her own son has taught her a lot. 
and that has given her heart to work with more kids. And so through that, I've learned a lot as well. She's helped the church in growing in that way too. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would say that uh, a church could be fearful of working with special needs kids. Um, and, and so if a church is fearful of it, that, you know, if, if you have a, a family coming into the church, you know, they might, they might feel that. And so maybe wouldn't want to attend. So, you know, I, again, I think, again, churches need to embrace that opportunity and welcome families, you know, and, and, uh, hopefully, um, they can partner together to just bless the kids. But it doesn't always happen. I know, um, you know, we, uh, when we first moved here, Daniel was four years old. And before we put him into preschool within the school district, we actually tried to do a private one. And it wasn't at our church. We weren't doing a preschool here. So we, it was at another church. And I'll never forget the phone call. Um, we got a phone call the first day that we put him into the preschool. And it was about four hours later. And they called us and they said, come get your son. We can't work with him. And I was just heartbroken. And it was like, what do you mean you can't work with them? I said, I just wanted to say, where's the love of Christ in you? Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and I was like, what do you mean? And it's like, did you even try? Did you even try to get to know him? But basically they didn't. They just said, nope. You know, we just, it was kind of like them saying, we only want perfect kids with, mm -hmm. you know? And I was just like, okay, well, to me, that kind of showed me the nature of the church. Mm -hmm. You know, if you give up within a couple hours... You know, it's like, um, you know, and I, I don't want to judge them. I'm not trying to judge them, but I, I can guarantee you at that time I was. And so I was thinking, you know, of any family walking into this church for the first time, how would they feel? Well, it would feel not welcomed. So, you know, that, but those are the things I've learned. And those are the things that, you know, I, I certainly don't want anybody to experience coming to, to our church. You know, I want them to feel welcome. I think that's all I have, yeah. really. Um, okay. Unless you can think of anything else I didn't ask you that I should have asked you, or one. Well, there's probably a lot of things we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I, I enjoy. Yeah, I never I, have a problem talking. That's yeah. I enjoy this time. Well, it's. I probably am like that too. I I never have a problem talking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. You're welcome. All right. Yes.